leaders, true leaders show vulnerability. They show empathy. They connect with the person that they're connecting with and they set expectations properly. And in order to do any of that, you have to understand what state that you're in. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. Things are a little bit different on this episode. My guest today is anonymous, so I can't share her name or who she is. But what I can tell you is she runs an online community on Instagram called Not Sherm Approved. If you aren't familiar with it already, you need to be, especially if you like to laugh. The idea behind Not Sherm Approved is that the admin of the group doesn't like rigid corporate structure, and she likes people to be able to share their experiences in an open and welcoming environment. The admin herself is an experienced HR professional, and she provides fantastic insight that's valuable for any leaders in any space. So with that said, let's dive right in. So I'm going to be candid here. This is uh, my first time interviewing somebody <laughs> that, that you're almost like Prince. <laughs> You've turned into a symbol. So I, I have... I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone listening, I have before me what uh, I like to call the Wizard of Oz behind Not Sherm Approved. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I am incredibly privileged and excited to be here. <laughs> oh man, well we're going to have some fun. If it's all right with you, I just say we uh, dive right into the questions. Yeah, please do. All right. I want you to tell me something that most people don't know about you. Most people, you, you mean besides my entire identity and everything that I do? Besides that small minor thing, I, I can sing nine different songs in four different languages. What? How does that happen? Well, it comes from a lot of listening and appreciation of different forms of cultural music. And you listen to the same song, you listen to the same beat, and you just learn the lyrics. It just happens to be that I enjoy songs in multiple languages. So I can sing along to songs in French, Spanish, Italian, and Chinese. Although I can't actually sing. When you hear me sing, it sounds more akin to two cats caterwauling into like a <laughs> massive fan. 
but I harbor delusions that I can sing. And that's what I do. That's impressive. Here I am still working on English and uh, my claim to fame, (laughs) my my claim to fame at college is I took three years of first year French and they eventually just realized that they're either going to have to exonerate or I forgot what that was called, but I got some kind of pass. Otherwise I just wouldn't have graduated. I wish I knew you back then. <laughs> you could have helped me. I could only really teach you to say things like her eyes are like the sea in French, which really has no practical application mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> so today uh, is really hard to prepare. I'm going to want to get into that in a little bit, but first let's dig a little more into you. So, all right, so we've got our work cut out for in terms of our conversation, but I'd love to learn what we can as much as we can. That's not giving away too much about you. And, and, <laughs> for today's conversation. So I'd love to know, I guess, from you, what's the best possible outcome for today's show? I love this question. So I would say, for me, the ideal outcome for today's show would actually be in two parts. And they would involve the two parts of each of our core audiences. So your core audience here for who's who in HR is the C-suite executives, today's current human resources leaders. So I would like that group to take our talking points and go over them and take an introspective look at how what they are doing is actually truly perceived in their organizations. They are all smart, they are all innovative, they are all looking forward and they are all trying to do the right thing. But are their actions really translating to their employee populations as such? And what is their legacy? Are they duplicating themselves? Which is quite honestly, there should be their number one priority. And then as a counterpoint to that, I would really hope that my core audience, the not SHRM approved family that makes up our online community, understands the power of their voice and takes that voice and makes sure that their authentic selves are being represented and that they are empowered to take those next steps to follow in those leaders' footsteps because they are, in fact, the future. Wow, that's a lot to live up to in, in about half an hour. You know, we got our work. Well, cut you out know for what? Us. Go big or go home, yeah. man. Yeah. Go big or go home. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And I think that's what you've done. I mean, you've gone pretty big pretty quickly with Not Sure I'm Approved. I, um, what was the last thing that made you laugh? The last thing that made me laugh was actually this morning. I had a community member send me something. So I'll back up a little bit. Not SHRM approved, of course, is in fact a play on the Society for Human Resources Management and the ideas that our safe space uh, online is not really one that the normal global SHRM organization would probably approve of, but we like it that way. So one of the things that has become a running joke within the community is when SHRM goes to drum up membership, renewals for membership, etc. They usually offer a gift. Totally fine. Wonderful. The primary thing that they typically offer is a tote bag, a Sherm tote bag. So 
the problem with them offering this bag is there are multiple members out there, thousands of members out there who have never actually received this bag. And so it's been a running joke that you could sign up for the membership, but you're probably not going to get this elusive tote bag. So it became tote gate. And at, at any rate, so they've done this for years. They've done this promotion. So a, fam, uh, a family member today sent me a screenshot of the Sherm website. They have changed their promotion from a tote bag to a coffee cup. And it was only two weeks ago that we were on the community. We were talking about, oh, the elusive tote bag. And we were calling it tote gate. And we were tagging Sherm. And it was this total big joke. And then all of a sudden they changed the promo that they haven't changed in years. So it made me laugh because there's no way that they changed this because someone brought this to their attention, but it's kind of fun to think about. Yeah, it is. But what makes you think that there isn't an iota of truth to that? I, I would think I, that, that you got a pretty decent following uh, people do. that are very committed and very engaged. And I'm going to bet that a significant portion of your community are sure members. They absolutely are. Again, I, the not Sherm approved platform was built very humbly, very slowly, very organically. So it's not something that comes to my mind that that kind of influence could be possible. But let me assure you, I would love to have that kind of influence because I have all kinds of changes that I would love these very corporate rigid organizations to start taking a look at. Go big or go home, someone once That's said. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so as someone who's been in HR for 20 years, I've got to assume you've got a, an interesting story or two. Any that come couple. to mind or any that you can share? So interesting to me is a very subjective term, but mm. I can tell you the human resources related story that I think made the biggest impact on my accepting my own voice and my own autonomy within the scope of my HR career. So when I was really starting to get going in my career, I was a regional manager for a professional employment organization, PEO. Amongst the services that they offer, one of the things that is part and parcel with the client's package is a local client services and human resources team. So I was the manager of that team. The client that we signed up and this team was responsible for going in and onboarding the team, enrolling them in the services and their benefits and the payroll and all that kind of stuff. So the client that we had enrolled that quarter was the organization behind the Occupy Wall Street movement. <laughs> so they asked, yes, they asked me to personally handle this enrollment, which was unusual for my position, but certainly not out of my realm of skills. So I said, yeah, sure. I understand high profile, probably a pretty cantankerous crowd. I'll, I'll take it on. <laughs> so I prepared for weeks because I knew that we had wonderful things to offer as a company to this client. But the things that we offered were structured, very corporate, and had lots of compliance and rules 
wrapped around them. And I was about to go up in front of 150 people whose only job was fighting against the box that I was going to put in front of them and say, go ahead and get it. (laughs) So I knew crowd control would be a major thing. So I researched and I thought about it. And then the day of the enrollment came and I knew what I was going to do. So I went into the room, there's 150 people in this room. I'm standing at the front. I pull out a square of green origami paper and I folded a little frog. And then we quieted the room down and I began not by introducing myself and not by telling anybody why I was there. I entered, I started the conversation off by holding up the frog and I said, this is your frog. This frog will be the keystone to tell us how this meeting is progressing. If this meeting goes badly, I will destroy your frog. And then I put the frog on the corner of the table behind me. And I proceeded to slap on a wonderful big smile, warm voice, started the presentation, went on, introduced myself like the frog thing had never happened. (sighs) About halfway through, I needed to describe to them, to this room of people who was actually filled with individuals who had left very high corporate jobs with very robust benefits packages. And I had to explain that this benefits package was decent, but not quite the King Midas golden fleece that they were used to. Mm -hmm. So we got into that and that's when I lost the room. There were people yelling and screaming and pointing. The salesperson's cowering in the corner. The leadership for the organization are like throwing their shoulders up and looking panicked. So I just very calmly, I walked to the edge of the table, I took the frog, I shredded it, I threw it on the ground, I stomped on it, and then I sat down. And it took about 12 seconds for the entire room to go silent. And then from the back, you heard one guy go, holy shit, she killed our frog. (laughs) And that was it. And that was how I was able to regain control without any amount of pressure or screaming or it's just it's about understanding what your voice can do when you are authentic and you are valid and forward with it does that make sense sure does great i overstand how about that (laughs) (laughs) that was great and where'd you come up with the idea behind that It was actually my ex-husband who was a graphic designer and he was a clinical psychologist. Well, he became a graphic designer. He was a clinical psychologist by training. And I said to him, I really don't know how I'm going to get control of all of these very progressive political people. And he goes, well, you do the frog. And I said, what frog? Because the frog goes, the frog will control it all. And we proceeded to talk about it. So that's credit to him. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Do I give credit to him or do I give credit to you? Well, his name is Adam. So let's just say Adam came up with it. (laughs) I like that. I like how you think. So give me the backdrop behind Not Sherm Approved. What prompted it? When did it come to fruition? How did you, and I guess we understand how you came up with the name, so you don't need to answer that. But share, please. (laughs) So Not Sherm Approved started, the community started very simply. I was coming back from maternity leave 
for my uh, last child. And I was easing back into work. I hadn't really ever disconnected from work. And so between being a, a multiple kid mom and newborn baby and being a director, it was just, it was a lot of pressure. And so I started to go into Instagram at that time, sharing pictures of the kids and staying connected and stuff like that. And I started to come across these memes that were specialized for human resources. And they were very general and they were quotes. And I'm like, huh, HR memes. I never thought of that. And then I just started taking my real world experience, my real life situations, the wildest stuff that my employees and my colleagues and my executives have said. And I just started matching them up with memes. And I can remember the first couple of people that followed me. I was like, oh my God, there's like a couple people that followed me. And then I can remember when I got to a hundred followers and I'm like, oh my God, you people actually think I'm funny. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. And then we got to a thousand then we got to 5,000. And when, by the time we hit 10,000, I was just in complete awe. And by Instagram standards, my, our community is not enormous, but it is extremely niche. And I would be the first to say that we are the most engaged, largest and engaged human resources community on Instagram. How does that feel? Awesome. I think connection and authenticity are probably two of my driving values. So if I can help someone feel a little less alone, and that's really the reward for all of this. We are not a monetized community. I don't accept promos. I don't accept any money for this. We ran a very limited logo and apparel campaign, and we donated all of the money to the Minority Law Center in, in Georgia, I believe it is. But it was it, all of the proceeds, every penny was donated because we... I, again, it's not something that I do for business. Not Sherm Approved is a passion project. It is a community where human resource, it's a safe space where human resources professionals can say the things that they want and get resources and get solidarity so that they know, especially in the times that we have suffered in 2020, that they are just not alone. That's powerful. Do you have any particular goals for this platform? I, I know that maybe it didn't come in out of the box, but now that you're seeing the exponential growth and you're seeing the impact that you have, have you thought about some of these, again, going bigger, going home goals? I have. I would ultimately like the community to grow as big as possible to incorporate as many professionals in the various aspects of human resources and employment as possible. I would like to give, as I said before, my target family, those members that are the up and coming leaders, the resources, the connections, the advocacy that they need and deserve. And I'd like to give those of us that are later in our career and higher in our careers, 
the opportunity to take a look at themselves in the mirror and say, it's not all about all of those 75 certifications that you have behind your name. It's not about your title. It's not about this. It's about the people that are coming up and about imparting that knowledge onto them, about duplicating yourself so that you can move on to the next thing, whatever it is, whether it's up, whether it's sideways, whether it's out, whether it's individual entrepreneurship, whatever that next thing is, we are not going to be able to get there until we duplicate ourselves and until we empower somebody to come in behind us to take that next step in their own authentic way, not the way that we would do it, but how they would do it. Oh, that's good. You'd uh, really appreciate a famous Hollywood saying. I think I can't remember. I think it's Jack Lemon. I always get this mixed up, but the quote itself is, if you're fortunate enough to get to the penthouse, don't forget to send the elevator back down. Yes. I love that. <laughs> it seems to be in the spirit of what it is that you're looking to do. So, Very much so. I, I don't know if you've thought about this, but like with businesses and stuff, we have mission statements. So for example, my company, NetworkWise, mission statement is NetworkWise is a business aimed at equipping individuals with a networking mindset that will accelerate outcomes in sales, career opportunities, and, and entrepreneurship. So the goal is to kind of be an available resource to the prosperity of others. Do you have a mission statement? And if so, I'd love to hear it. We do not have a mission statement. I am sorry to disappoint you, but I would have to tell you in the vein of who we are as a community, a mission statement isn't really us. Hmm. I would say a value statement Ooh, is okay. more us. Do you have a I value would say statement? <laughs> we have not crafted one. If anyone mm. listening would like to help us build that value statement, please DM me at not Sharma approved on Instagram. But the value statement that we would craft would involve, as I've said before, authenticity and empowerment and advocacy. Those three would be critical to any value statement that we put out. Can you say that one more time? It's authenticity. What was the other one? Sure. Authenticity, empowerment, advocacy. Mm, I like that. So a perfect example, I think, of the power of what you've created, whether you are cognizant of this or not, you just, while we were talking, you said, hey, community, help me out here. And yeah. you have a very engaged community. I'm going to bet you get some responses to this. I I hope so. I really do. I thrive on, because this is, like I said, it's a passion project. I have a lot of other stuff going on in my life, as we all do. But running a community in the proper way, ensuring that it does emulate that safe space that the community deserves, ensuring that people do not feel like they've just been floated into the ether, ensuring that you are blocking out trolls and you are ensuring that people aren't coming in and bullying. Although I have to say we've been, I don't know if it's, we're just not, we're too niche or we're not popular enough, or I'm not sure what it is. We haven't had that many people try to crash. I haven't had a whole lot of Bitcoin scammers, which is nice. Hmm. But if you are a proper administrator for any social media platform, you are making sure that you are staying true to the values of the platform and not letting it just become a runaway train. Hmm. This is one of the reasons why someone called me an influencer and I completely rejected it. I said, I'm not an influencer. 
I might influence someone, I might inspire someone, and I hope that would be an ultimate trip for me that would be wonderful. But don't call me an influencer. That's not what I am. And I was having a conversation with one of my favorite public speaking coaches, Mike Ginnino. And he was saying, well, you're not an influencer so much as a snarkfluencer. <laughs> and I was like, I like that. Can so I you'll take that label. That? <laughs> I will take that label. I will take the snarkfluencer label. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. That is absolutely <laughs> awesome. Um, he's really good at just making up titles and words. And he's a complete creative. He's awesome. That is fantastic. So what are some of the things that you're hearing from your community? Are, are they talking about emotional fatigue that's going on yes. at all? And, and, and it, yes. they are. So can you expand on that? Sure. So because we are engaged, because we are so wonderfully connected there, when I reach out to the community for topics or for things to talk about or relevance to bring up so that I can curate content, there are always themes that come up very regularly. Themes about how can I better my career? Themes about how can I look for, what should I be looking for in a mentor? I get a lot of questions about professional certifications and whether it's better to get a master's or your certification or both and that sort of thing. But the thing that pops up the most is how do I, as an HR professional, care for myself when I am the one caring for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel incredibly inspired that people are thinking about that. Because I think 10, 15 years ago, it was keep your head down and keep your mask on and be a wall and don't show vulnerability. But you can't do that. Leaders, true leaders, show vulnerability. They show empathy. They connect with the person that they're connecting with. And they set expectations properly. And in order to do any of that, you have to understand what state that you're in. And you can't ignore that you are a human being. So self-care and emotional fatigue in particular have become very relevant topics for the community in light of 2020. The HR community has had so much to contend with in 2020. It's not just about the COVID protocols and the safety protocols and the who's getting this. And then you've got the CC, the FFCRA, and you have all of the different legislatures and laws and compliance. You've got all of that balancing act, but then you've got the people who are in the verticals that have been highly affected by these shutdowns and economic turndowns. You have people who are reaching out to their executives that may or may not even really understand where their company is going in such uncertainty, and they're leaving their HR professionals to deal with that. So you've got the COVID aspect. You have the awesome awakening that is going on behind and stress of the importance behind diversity and inclusion and equity that's going on. But again, you have these executives who will come in and say, well, you're the HR manager. I need you to create a diversity and inclusion program 
I'm a 30-year-old white woman with absolutely no experience in this. What do you want me to do? Oh, yeah, and you don't have a budget. The, these are the real-life stresses that the HR community has had to contend with in 2020. And so there's burnout all over the place. So in terms of emotional fatigue in particular, and I love the way that that's worded, emotional fatigue is the core of what you need to address so that you can deal with the physical fatigue, you can deal with the stress, you can deal with the, or preventing, I should say, sickness or injury or illness. And one of the things that I hope the most out of the Not Sherm Approved community is that the solidarity and the humor and the laughter and the resources that we provide for free on that community will help someone reach out, will help someone rebalance, and will help someone reassess where they are so they can keep doing what they do best, which is helping their teams. Yeah, that, that is great. And it's really, it's not just your community. The So I'm going to share with you and we get off a link of a LinkedIn post from some of the other members of the, the show that have been on. And these are CHROs of some pretty established organizations and not just CHROs, other areas within the HR community. And it's just on this topic that you just talked about in terms of that, you know, they didn't call it necessarily emotional fatigue, but it's describing exactly what you just laid out. And I think it's going to be uh, pretty powerful for you and and feel free if you want to share it with with your community when you're seeing what these people that your community is aspiring to be, what they're doing, how are they handling things and what's the lens in which that they're looking at these challenges. And I think it is important that you label it the right way. And rather than bastardize this, I'll, I will send you the link and you can articulate it better out to your community. <laughs> That's wonderful. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. So before I let you go, I need you. I'm not going to let you go without learning a little bit more about uh, War Story Wednesday. <laughs> War Story Wednesday is definitely the number one day of the week for the Not Sherm Approved community. So War Story Wednesday is a feature that I do in the Instagram stories functionality where I invite the community members to share crazy stories from their experiences in HR anonymously, of course. Everything is anonymous. That's one of the reasons why I am anonymous. I feel that I need to lead by example. So if I can protect and keep my identity, I can build trust, and then they will trust me more with some of these things that I think as we share them make people feel less alone, which is one of the primary objectives of the community. So War Story Wednesday will sometimes have a theme, sometimes won't, but it's, I always go first. I always tell them a story of, of a real world experience that I've had, and then they direct message me their stories and we post them. And they, it is always the most wildly popular feature that we do. We have an average of between uh, seven and 9,000 people that look at the stories Jeez. on average on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, because they get shared and they get shared all over the place. And again, it's a niche community, but I think everyone can find something that they relate to and connect with. So that's War Story Wednesday. All right. One more question, if it's all right. Sure. All right. Yeah. Well, here, I'll give you two questions and I'll let you choose which one you answer. How about that? 
Okay. <laughs> uh, either what was the best advice that somebody ever gave you or what question have I not asked you that if you were the host, you would be asking you? I would say the best advice someone ever gave me, and it was my father who gave mm. me this advice. He was a very strict very regimented high-level executive in the banking industry. So growing up as a authentic, Sagittarius, curse-willing daughter, oldest and only daughter of this very starched shirt banking industry representative, he there was a lot of conflict. But one of the things that I learned and took to heart that he taught me was proactivity. And it was this small saying that he used to say, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, don't bother. Mm. And so I have used that phrase my entire life because to me, one of the keys of success is showing respect and showing that you care about the interactions and the relationship that you have with any one person that you come into contact with. And one of the quickest and easiest ways to garner trust and to show that respect is to be proactive in your actions and try to give a heads up as often as you can. And so being late to meetings is disrespectful and it can't always be controlled, but you can very quickly garner a reputation as being either proactive or not proactive very quickly. You have no idea how much I love that. It, you have no idea. I, I'm going to play this over again. I'm a big fan of quotes. It's super powerful. I, I think I tell people all the time that I dare you to try to offend me. You can't do it. You can take my money. I'll get it back or I'll earn it back. You can make fun of my mm -hmm. family or my kids. It'll roll off my back. But the minute you start wasting my time, we are fighting. That is, again, the disrespect, the fact that it's narcissistic, that your time is worth more than my time. We all share the same amount of 24 hours. I don't care if you're the president of the United States, Oprah, whoever you are. So that's the most uh, precious commodity on this earth. So kudos to your pops. That is some good stuff right there. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, oh, I have so many more questions. Maybe we bring you back because I know that there's a lot of things that you and I had talked about just in previous conversations that I think garner mm -hmm. almost like their own conversation, their own podcast. So I want to kind of leave the door open to have you come back and pick this conversation up. Does that sound like, a, like an option for you? That would be wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. So, so many takeaways from this conversation, whether it's just you looking to empower your community, whether it's through authenticity, the empowerment, the advocacy. I love the snarkfluencer. I think that is, <laughs> we might, we, I think that's great. It might become the name of this podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, your <laughs> ability awesome. to get people to connect through authenticity. I really like this passion project that you've created. And obviously, I'm not the only one. So, thank you so much for making today happen. And I hope you make it a great day. Thank you, Adam. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise.